Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hey everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Jason Lipschutz, and I am an associate editor and the Pop Shop blog editor of Billboard.com. Based in New York, on the other line in Los Angeles, is the Get Lucky to my Lose Yourself to Dance. Keith Caulfield, how's it going, Keith? I'm swell. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. You know, we I, I make that reference. I, I, I say that Keith is the apple to my orange every week. I use those two songs because today, Keith, for our Grammys preview edition of the Pop Shop Podcast, we are joined by a very, very special guest. We have we have a lot of special guests on the Pop but Shop this Podcast. One's but really this one's really special. This is a really good This is really one. special. All the rest really, of them really special. are kind of chopped liver. Really. <laughs> Not no to offense. say that at all, but... Come on! I mean, it's we're we're joined by a Grammy-winning, triple Grammy-winning composer, three-time oh, Grammy-winning artist. Grammy winning. Yeah, get I'll, right. I'll get. I, I want to get. I want to get this perfect. I, I mean, Grammy-winning guitarist, composer, arranger, producer, just all-around legend. Nile Rogers is on the Pop Shop Podcast. Yay. Nile, thank you so much for uh, stopping by, man. This is amazing. Thanks, bro. You left out author. Uh, you know, my my author. Of course, was how could I forget author? I try. I tried to get as many multi hyphenate as I possibly could. Nile Rogers is here live in front of us today, which is amazing. Can I? Can we just say re- can we just say Renaissance man? Is, would that is that kind of a catch all? Okay, I feel that's like that fine. Works. That's fine. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Well, uh, Niall, like I said, thanks so much for stopping by the Pop Shop Podcast. We are going to be talking a lot of Grammys. Where I, I want to ask a couple questions about last year's Grammys and uh, talk about the nominations in, for this year's ceremony, mm-hmm. which is coming up on Sunday. Um, before we get started, a few housekeeping notes uh, for those listening. If you like the Pop Shop Podcast, subscribe to us on iTunes and feel free to give us a rating or review on iTunes. We always appreciate that. Also, Find Keith and myself on Twitter at Keith underscore Caulfield and at Jason Lipshots. We try to answer as many Twitter questions as humanly possible. Uh, later in the show, we're also going to be announcing what we are doing for the Grammys. It is going to be uh, pretty unbelievable. Not as unbelievable as getting Nile Rodgers on the Pop Shop podcast, but uh, pretty pretty damn close. Uh, not not actually, it's not even close it would at be, all. It's, but it's I, pretty cool. You could say it's almost unprecedented what we'll be doing. Not to hype. Okay, it almost much. unprecedented. Almost unprecedented. <laughs> And hey, also coming up later in the show, we have a very special interview with four-time Grammy Award winner Annie Lennox. She's a current Grammy Award nominee this year for her new album, Nostalgia, and she'll be performing on the Grammy Awards this Sunday. The Pop Shop podcast is seriously jam-packed this week. Annie Lennox and Nile Rogers, it is so freaking amazing. That's unbelievable. So, so Nile, before we, before we get started... 
on the Grammy Chatter. You have had a an enormous week. I, I mean, we were trying to get this um this together, this this podcast together, and we didn't even know that you were getting ready to announce that Chic is coming back with a new album this year, a new label deal with Warner Brothers Records. We have a single coming out, I believe, in March. Yeah. I, I mean, first of all, congra- congratulations on all this because Thank this you. is huge news. It, it how I, long has this been in the works? Um, how about like, yeah. <laughs> like thirty something years? Um, so <laughs> the the uh, the first record, well, the, the the whole concept is completely completely old school and crazy. I hope I don't drive you as nuts as I've driven my record company. But but here's the deal: is my partner Bernard Edwards uh, passed away in 1996, which is almost you know 20 years, and um, so I treated the album conceptually as if it were like Rip Van Winkle, like Rip Van Winkle woke up after 20 years. So when Bernard died, we used to be able to fly to Paris in three years, in three, three hours, sorry. So in three hours, we could fly on the Concorde to go to Paris, and now that doesn't exist. But we didn't have the internet then. Right. Um, we sort of had it, but it was just like basic AOL. You would get like this disc when you went to a pizza the shop. Dial up, yeah. The dial-up. Yeah, dial-up. Yeah, it was, di- it was like ridiculous. <laughs> so, so the lyrics correspond to uh, if, if, if my band just woke up today, because a lot of members uh, you know, have passed away, was if they woke up today and I said, okay, great, let's go make a record. So the music is actually music that we recorded one song I know that some of these people don't remember that. In the old days, records were A-sides and B-sides. Well, that's what I'm putting out first. My first single is an A-side and a B-side. The B-side was cut two days before I did Let's Dance with Bowie. Wow. So it's actually, when you think about it, it actually really is officially the last chic recording session where everybody was on it. And the first song, the A-side, every single member that was on Sheik's first single, including Luther Vandross, is on our first single. Wow. wow. Totally weird and amazing. And I played it Pharrell, for Pharrell um, a couple of weeks ago. We were on our way to Dubai, and I just put the headphones on him, and I said, just listen to this and watch the video. And he looked at me, and it's a true story. Pharrell said, Niall, put that sh blank blank out tonight he said that's amazing wow i said i said well guess what pharrell you know that that record that we cut that like 80 gazillion years ago he was like are you kidding i said i trust me i said i didn't have the lyrics yet because we didn't know that we were going to get dropped (laughs) so we just did the rhythm track and then we turned in the purchase order to atlantic and they said uh sorry we're not picking up your option and we're like Oh. oh, and then I did Let's Dance, so I didn't even think about it. It was like two days later I was in with Bowie. So was so, Jason. I'm just going to jump in. So were these because I had read a lot about like I've been reading a lot about this ever since you know, right? Basically the Daft Punk stuff, and then I think there was a story where you said that you found some tapes. Correct. Some tapes were delivered to That's you. Exactly right. So these sort of lost chic That's ex- masters exactly appeared correct. on your doorstep. Correct. Four years ago, um, a ton of lost what i call lost chic tapes um showed up now they weren't all lost because some of them actually did belong to us and did belong to warner brothers but they were safety copies you know in the analog days uh to to protect the property they would deliver the masters as they would call them to the record company and the recording studio would store them in a tape library Mm -hmm. so we uh, when they sold that recording studio, they sent this stuff to the Warner Tape Library, but they were backups. 
So the backups typically would go to somebody else. You don't want to keep the backups and the masters in the same no. place. Yeah, of course not. if it catches on fire, well, then now it's gone. Now you're really screwed. So they were digitizing it, and Warden Brothers sent all the stuff back to me because they said, well, we don't believe this belongs to you. And they were right because it was Debbie Harry and – you know, and uh, uh, Diana Ross and Johnny Mathis and Duran Duran and all this stuff, and Bowie and, I mean, tons and tons of artists that weren't signed to Warner Brothers. And so I got every single master back. But then when I started going through it, it was also my film scores and uh, my first solo album and all sorts of things that had fallen through the cracks and never come out before. Wow. So I decided to choose these first two songs because symbolically they represented something very powerful. Wow. I mean, the, the last ever Chic recording session. And what's funny is that this may sound crazy to people, but you don't realize that we went to work every day. So it is not odd that I would break up the band and then two days later I'd make Let's Dance. Right. That's not weird at all because for two days I had a studio book and... And I said, okay, David, let's start our record now. It's like, I got the place booked. Let's, <laughs> it's why are we going to fritter away some time? We <laughs> got money. Time? We've it's already paid for this. It's, yeah, it's... You, should, you, know, you, should get, you should get Warner to put out a seven-inch vinyl single with an A-side and a B-side. Dude, we're doing that. Okay, good. I'm just, we're breaking news. <laughs> no, like, no, no. This is total old school. Um, matter of fact, the B-side is called Back in the Old School. And, uh, and it's, I, it's, it's funny for me because it's like, wow, is the B-side better than the A-side? And it's like one of those I will survive kind of situations because both songs, the, I only played the A-side for Pharrell, but uh, the B-side is, is killer. It's, that's the one that's two days before Let's Dance. Have you announced what the, uh, the A-side, the, the first single is called Yeah, yet? it's called I'll Be There. I'll Be There, okay. And, and then, so, um, uh, sorry, Jason, I'm just like super interested. Oh, go ahead. Is the rest of the album sort of lost uh, uh, chic stuff, or is it kind of like new stuff that you've also it's, recorded? It's not. Yeah, the, the rest of the album isn't that. And, okay. and I'll tell you the reason why I chose not to do that is because I've been doing a lot of relevant music with people. And as any other artist, man, the thing that you're most excited about is what you're working on now. Yeah. So, like, I, I wrote a song uh, last year. I started. Um, uh, with Nicky Romero, and it's like almost next level. Uh, I sometimes I, I hate using the phrase EDM because it all sounds so like it's just that. Right. But it's like almost yeah. next level. It's almost like it's fusion, and it turned out so great. Um, originally, I was doing it for David Guetta, and Guetta loved it. He said, "Man, but this is so avant garde." And I looked at him and I said, "David, this is pop music to me, bro." And uh, and Nikki got it. Nikki was like, "Yeah, Niles, right? This is pop music." Sorry, so, David Guetta, you're lost. No, not necessarily. <laughs> I'm just, David is cool. It's just that I understand why it may have sounded avant-garde to him because it is weird. Mm -hmm. Just like when we wrote, you know, "Upside Down" or "I'm Coming Out," those were angular, wacky records. Now they just sound like pop records. But then, you know, yeah, Motown fired us and said. This is crazy. And it took them a while to hear it, but then a few months later they got it and went, okay, and put it out, and it was And this is why pop. we listen to these songs decades later, because they're cool and different, and they stand the test of time. Well, the, the truth is, is that, you know, as an artist, I don't want to copy what's out there. I, there's no, for me, there's no fun. I don't come from the era of just trying to do hit records. I come from the era of trying to make um, a, 
like an overall artistic statement and you don't expect to sell because we're, we, we all put out flops. Mm -hmm. no, most records don't recoup, let alone go number one. So we just put out the music because we've had people who supported our art form. And then if somehow you happen to sell, it was like, yay, whoopee. Yeah. So my mentality hasn't changed. It's just the business that's changed. Right. So I don't want to be a different person. I, I love the way that I was raised. So I did a concept record. <laughs> so my concept happens to involve some new tracks and some old tracks. But um, it when you when you when you finally hear the whole album i i promise you it'll make total sense to okay. you total sense well now now i'm i'm curious because you know this is such an exciting project and i'm curious if you saw this coming 2 years ago 5 years ago 10 years ago did you ever see a new chic album coming out and and especially it seems like this is going to get a lot of fanfare did you ever see this coming um, not the fanfare part. Once again, man, I, I'm quite sincere when I say that I don't do records for awards or hits or anything like that. Um, you know, if you ever talk to Pharrell, you certainly won't talk to Daft Punk because <laughs> they don't do interviews. But but you'll see. Uh, they did a cute little thing for me. Um, it's just it's just you see, they're real artists. They created a piece of art for my record. And it's awesome. You, you, you'll understand that, that when you're doing something from your heart, um, you're not thinking about the consequences. You're doing it because you're compelled to do it. So when I got all those tapes, I mean, think about it, man. This was missing in my life. And all of a sudden it was like, hey, Niall, you have a job to do, bro. You got to finish this because yeah. this is here yeah. for you right now. And then what happened was I was um, blindsided. I got very, I was attacked with very, very severe cancer. And it was yeah. really yeah. severe. And they were telling me to get my affairs in order and all that kind of stuff. And I was like going, dude, we can get my affairs in order. They were like, <laughs> no, Niall, it's, it's, it's like that. Wow. So I... Uh, uh, so I said to the doctors, okay, well, what do you think the best advice is? And they says, and honestly, this is the best advice I ever got. They said, you know what? You need to do all the research you can do and make this decision yourself because you got to live or die by this decision. And I went home. I decided what I was going to do. And then it was almost like a, a wave of clarity. I thought, I feel horrible but every time I pick up my guitar and play, I feel great. So I did this crazy thing. I booked more live shows than you could ever imagine. And I started making more records than at any point in my life. And just somehow Daft Punk happened to call me during this recovery period after I had my first operation. And so I, I just happened to be home. You know, me and the guys had been close for like 20 years, but we could never hook up because they're French. And every time I go to France, they're on strike. So I was stuck in one city and they're stuck in another. It's like, night. I'm sorry, we cannot come over because we're in Central Bay and you're in Paris and they're on strike. We cannot get there. The, the railway is not working. It was like, yeah, okay, cool. So they come to New York and, of course, the subway was working. I get on the subway or they come up to my house first. Um, they came to play some demos, but I don't even think we listened to the demos. They just told me once again, see, these are artists, bro. They told me about the concept. At that point, I was in. I was like, you don't have to play a demo for me because I'm just down with your concept. Right. So we went to Electric Lady, 
which is Hendrix's old studio. And I told him, I said, you know, guys, this is the studio where we cut the very first Chic single, the, the first Chic hit. And they looked at me and went, you got to be kidding. And I said, no. And then they said, how did you make Chic records? So I showed them the technique and they said, whoa, do that. And I did that. And they said, well, do that to this song. Here you go. And they said, do that to this song. And I was like, going, dudes, I got to work. I'm, I mean, you know, I'm on this crazy schedule. So I did three songs, um, you know, uh, Get Lucky, uh, Lose Yourself to Dance and Give Life Back to Music. Um, and I said, guys, I got to go, man. <laughs> I got to, I, I'm working. <laughs> And it was just awesome. It was the beginning. It wasn't quite the beginning because I was working with a lot of other people before Daft Punk. But um, it was just the beginning, uh, I would say, symbolically of this new sort of role that I'm on, if you want to call it that. Yeah. I, w I was going to say, Jason, it seems it, in a weird way, I mean, both you and Jojo Moroda were, were really obviously had incredible careers and were, were doing just fine. But it seems like this kind of kicked everything up to another level in a weird way. And now Giorgio has his own album coming. You have the Chic album coming. And, and it's just kind of, it's crazy what happened with the pair of robots and yeah. and, and what turned into something really magical. And it know? was, and it, it's weird because all my life, if you, if you look at any old Chic interview, you'll see me talk about convergence, convergence. We, we do all this music because we love it. And then the only way that we get hits are because of convergence. The, you know, this... DJ plays it, and then that crowd goes for it, and this other DJ plays it, and that crowd goes for it. Next thing you know, you're on the Billboard charts, and you're each you're inching up and inching up. Next thing you know, boom! In my life, a lot of them inch all the way up to number one. Yes, indeed. So <laughs> I've had quite a few of them. So, I, so the convergence was delayed, um, but it was actually probably supposed to happen. The the when cancer hit, and I just went on a tear, man. I, I started writing. I mean, you you've, you guys are in the business, so you've seen I've done, you know, yeah. Avicii, Disclosure, um, Ten Snake, I mean, tons Lambert and tons and, of, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. like lots of acts. And um, and then I got the chance to go back and finish Chic because I, I, I wanted to do it, but I only wanted to do it when I could actually concentrate on doing it because um, – the live gigs were perfect to keep me busy and not think about cancer and recovery. And um, the truth, 100% truth, is I never missed one show. I had just finished my self-penned autobiography. Um, uh, so I had a book tour. I left the emergency room many times and went and did the book tour, you know, went and did a you know, book signing and then go back to the hospital. I never missed one show because that was the promise I made to myself. I won't cancel one show. I won't cancel one appearance. I won't miss any record date, nothing. And if you think I'm lying, just go to my website and look at my blog, and you can see for 400 days straight, I did a media-rich blog and didn't miss one day. Wow. And and are it's you? Making me, it's it's making me tired yeah. just thinking about that. Four hundred days. I feel straight. like a big kind of loser at this point. Um, yeah, I feel like the laziest guy ever. I know. I'm like I sit behind a desk all day long, and now Rogers is I mean, kicking cancer's ass. <laughs> are you are you in the clear now? Are you all? Yeah, right I'm now? cancer free right now. That's amazing. But I always make oh, a joke. That's amazing. About, I make a joke about it. I say, well, what does cancer free mean to me? It means that either uh, you actually don't have it, or they haven't found it. Yeah. Um, and tomorrow they might. So I don't know. I mean, I was cancer-free the day before I was diagnosed. 
it, officially I was right. because my doctor had told yeah. me that I was in the greatest shape of my life. And then two days later, he calls me and says, oh, my God. <laughs> it was like, oh, really? So I went from being in the greatest shape of my life to being close to death. How did that happen? He said, oh, we hadn't gotten the test results back. Wow. Unbelievable. Dig- I mean, yeah. skipping, ahead, skipping ahead a little bit to the, to the Grammys, I'm, I'm curious because you had such a huge night last year, you know, performing with Daft Punk and Pharrell and Stevie Wonder and, and, and you know, Daft Punk wins album of the year. And, 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 and Nile won album and record of the year with Daft Punk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, 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 it was an unbelievable night. Do you feel like you gained a new level of appreciation because of that health scare and, and what you went through um, to get to that point? I would be a little disingenuous if I said that because um, I've always loved music on a level that's almost uh, spiritual and I'm not a spiritual guy at all. So um, uh, that's why I knew that if I booked a bunch of concerts that I'd feel really good. And I was figuring, I figured, well, you know, my partner, Bernard Edwards, he died after we did a concert, a huge concert at the Budokan with Steve Winwood. You know, I, I was the star and whatever. And um, Steve Winwood was there with us. Slash was there with us. Um, Simon LeBon from Duran Duran. It was a big concert, Sister Sledge. And they were all paying tribute to me. So Bernard did this show with us. He passed out on stage. He was actually dying. And he after the show, he went back to his hotel room and the next morning I found him in his room dead. And I thought to myself, it was, you know, after the fact, it was one of the most romantic things I could ever imagine. I was like, wow, you died doing what you love doing. Like, who yeah. gets to do that? Yeah. So I thought, well, since they're telling me that I might be close to death, I'm just going to book a whole bunch of shows. And maybe, <laughs> I, you know, if you read my book, you'll see at the end, I... I lied to my mother and told them that they misdiagnosed me. So I'm doing a bunch of concerts and, you know, um, so the music part and the appreciation and the love for it, uh, was there all along. And that's what I used as my therapy. Do I believe it healed me? I don't know. I don't you know. No, but I just know that I felt amazing every night we took the stage and said, ladies and gentlemen, chic. And <laughs> we get to play a whole bunch of hit records. Wow. I mean, um, I, I mean, I, I speak for music fans, millions of music fans who appreciate your work and, and your energy when I when I say that it, it you know, when I heard that you were uh, um, cancer free, I, I mean, it, it was just so such a relief. And, and, you know, to be able to fight back like that and play those shows and, and somehow, you know, link up and make this art with Daft Punk and so many other artists, it's, it's so encouraging. And uh yeah, man. I, I mean, and now we have a new Chic record coming out. It's it's unbelievable. <laughs> it is actually. It's actually really, um, it's really, really, really good. Uh, I I wouldn't put it out. Yeah, of course. I felt like I had something to finish, and the reason why I didn't put all of the lost Chic tapes on this album. When you finally hear the finished album, you'll see why. Because it's making a bigger overall artistic message and artistic point. Mm-hmm. Um, because, as I says, Bernard died in 1996, but I didn't. Right. So I've been making film soundtracks and video games and, and new alliances and working with great people. And it's crazy for me to cut them out of my life when 
you know, when I work with them all the time. Right. Um, so I, I've learned from from people what to do um, in in this new world of music, and it's very satisfying to me. Didn't you do the Halo soundtrack? Of course, too? I've done was, every like, Halo is, soundtrack except for the last one. As soon as Miles said video games, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Oh, that's right, you did the Halo games. Every goodness, one. <laughs> all of them. What hasn't he done? Um, and and I want to ask: Is this is this uh, does this album feature? Um, like guests that you're allowed to say, or is it, is it like, a, is it, are there collaborative type songs it's, on it, like with vocalists sort of thing? Or there may be one that I finally do. Um, I've been trying to pull off, and I can't say because then if I say it, then it's like, mm. well, then and then all things could go wrong. Yeah, it, it could go happen. wrong. Yeah, I but, don't want that to happen. But the, the, only, the one thing that's that's absolutely certain is uh, every chic record um, is a collaboration. It's just that in the old days. You know, musicians used to be famous. Yeah. <laughs> so if you turn my records over and look at the credits, everybody on there are famous. They're they're famous musicians. So what I tried to do was to bring it back to live people playing. So there's a group. Uh, there's these two brothers in in New York City called the Martinez Brothers, and they're very hot in the sort of underground dance scene. But they're great guys and they're great percussionists, and they felt the vibe. And I walked into the studio with them, and they were just killing it. And I was like, "On you guys are like me. I mean, it's like we just love playing." So the first single does say featuring the Martinez Brothers. Um, but they're not singing. They're the percussionists. Mm-hmm. Cool, Jason. Back to you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, I, I, I. Before we started taping this show, uh, now you were talking about the the crazy um, couple weeks you've had. You you were working with Lady Gaga and Diane Warren, um, and, and then you were performing with Flea. I mean, again, I have to say you have the coolest life of of anyone I've ever spoken to. Um, in terms of Gaga and Diane Warren, I mean, the internet kind of exploded when that photo got posted online. What what was that session like, and, and what can you tell us about it? See, what's so weird about today's world is that you take a picture. So my life of taking pictures and doing that stuff happened when cancer attacked me. So I started a blog, uh, and like I said, for 400 days in a row, I didn't miss one. But then I became very, very busy. And when I started to focus on this new album, um, I was no longer thinking about cancer nearly as much. And mm-hmm. But I still collect the data to show people, hey, I'm alive, blah, blah, I'm doing music. So I went to a party the night before, and Gaga was at this party. And it was like we instantly hooked up, and we were la- laughing and joking and cracking up. And then she says, hey, I'm doing a session tomorrow. You want to pop by the studio? Guys, that's what we do. We're musicians. We pop by the studio. (laughs) So I pop by the studio, um, and she was working on a a song with Diane Warren. And I never met Diane Warren in my life before. Really? Of course I knew who she was. Yeah, never, ever. So we walked in, uh, and I looked at the charts, and I was listening to what was going on. And and Gaga kept singing a a D, uh, a, a D note denatural uh over over an f chord that they were playing and so i just said and in in a very loving way i wasn't like you know trying to i'm mr Nile rogers but i just said hey you know (laughs) i said diane check out gaga she keeps singing a d over the f chord i said that sounds like a country six chord well why don't we like flip it and make it into a 13 chord and it'll be really dope and diane warren went (laughs) 
wow, that's the coolest thing I ever heard. So I rewrote the chart real quick, and then then Gaga figured it out and played it. And then I said, hey, why don't we do this? And then Gaga, I wrote the chart, and she played it, and it was like, and Diane Warren was awesome. So we, we were there the whole night just hanging out, laughing, and and it was just a blast. But it was no big deal in my life. It was, I mean, when I say no big deal, I don't mean that they were, it wasn't important. I just meant that it was business as usual. It was no big deal. We weren't like, oh, my God, this is the second coming. It was just, that's just what I do. And uh, it's, uh, it, This stuff happens all the time for you, like the, cool, the coolest stuff in the world. But it, it, it's true, and and please believe me, I'm not bragging. It's just that old school musicians are very altruistic. They can't wait to give. Like yesterday, last night, Flea came and played. I met Flea one day in my life two years ago in Germany, in Berlin. We I went backstage. Tom Hanks was hanging out. I've known Tom Hanks for a long time, so we were laughing and joking, blah, blah, blah. So I'm I'm in L.A., and I said, wow. Who's like one of the favorite dudes I've ever heard and liked? I was like, oh, wow, Flea, because I heard him practicing before the Red Hot Chili Peppers concert. So I said, well, I've always respected mega musicians. So I got his phone number from a friend and I said, hey, man, you want to come and jam? (laughs) And he said, dude, I always love to jam. I said, but we're going to be in front of people. (laughs) We're going to be in front of people, mind you. (laughs) And he was awesome. He rolled in in a blue jumpsuit. And last night, and I told the audience, I says, look, we met two years ago. We've never rehearsed. This is all, this is only the second time I've seen this dude, and we're going to jam. Now, If you, I think they posted it somewhere, and you can see me whispering in his ear. The chord changes. You know, it was so old school, and we were having so much fun. It was insane. I, I couldn't believe that people would actually sit there and not, like, throw stuff at us because we were just jamming, and we were in our own world. To Jason, I was just going to say to the, to the folks listening, uh, what Niall is referring to is we're recording this on Wednesday, and last night, Tuesday night, Niall was honored by the producers and engineers wing of the Recording Academy, and I believe the award you got was the... It's the, called the President's Award. The President's Award of Merit, or... or yeah, yes. Yeah. And... Um, he was he was uh, celebrated with this evening with uh, performances and and speeches speeches and, and you know the whole nine and um, they do this every year for, for they they I don't know how they've been doing it for years now and every year they pick well um, not that many years now I'm well, in a very small club well I, I did I didn't mean it like that but you know I me- I meant it's it's, it's an important <laughs> I think thing. it's only give eight the man people. some respect I mean, Steve. I, come on you're in a very elite group of it's, people uh, yeah it's not like you know the, there's hundreds of them the Renaissance man and author Nile Rogers <laughs> is in a very limited group of people. Um, and he's all sensitive no, about it. It, <laughs> no, it sounds like such a cool event, man. I, 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 I'm sure it was a blast for you. It was insane because, you, you know, I looked out at the audience and almost everybody in that audience I had some kind of relationship with because I've done films, I've done video games. The people who started out with me, who did my very first record, Bob Clearmountain, who's like some mega, mega engineer, he was there. He did Bowie with me. He did Sister Sledge. He did Diana Ross. He did Sheik. I mean, it was just so I got to tell those stories. And if I was lying, well, the people who could (laughs) say he's lying were right there. It's like, excuse me, Niall, I uh, think you're fibbing. And so at the end of the night, uh, Bob Clearmountain said, no, you won't believe this. 
because he was supposed to give me the award. But what happened is my friend jumped up and said, hey, Flea is out there. So I called Flea up. So we screwed up the presentation. Oops. So I never got the award. <laughs> <laughs> I got the award at the you end of the like, night. You were like, on the one hand, award. On the other hand, jamming with Flea. Right. In, mm, in, I feel like I that's, a very, that's a very understandable choice. <laughs> yeah. So I took Flea. I did get the award backstage, but nobody saw me get the award. They saw me get a plaque. But the actual award was still in the black box at the <laughs> end of the night because Flea and I were like jamming and playing jazz and playing disco and chic songs and We Are Family and stuff. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that is so cool. And now he's here well, with, with me, with little old me. I know. Flea is in the corner. Keith, you are in our L.A. our LA really. office uh, with Keith hanging out. I, I mean, Keith is is almost he's he's flea level of cool i would say yeah, yeah and and, and keith is insanely cool because he walked in just as i was showing him um uh, my publicist uh, a piece of video that came down to me today from um you know from uh, don cornelius from soul train from don cornelius's family is soul train and basically they've given me the license for this stuff for the rest of my life and nice. i was saying Here's Bernard Edwards telling you in his own words the beginning of Chic. And it was so awesome. And then you called and you screwed up the punchline. You punch called line. right before Bernard you was about to say the how line. they got their name. Oh, guys. I'm, so, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, what have I done? What no, have I done? Well, uh, We forgive you, but, you know, you, you got to check out your timing. I bet you're not a great gambler. <laughs> no, that is that is that is actually pretty that, true. That's and true. I, I, you know what? I was in Atlantic City a couple weekends ago and uh, – did not did not come out uh, in in the black. So all right, man. What can you do? Hey. Well, well, well. Now, I mean, um, we're, we're about not halfway done through yet, the show. By the we, way. Yeah, right. We're I'm not sorry. done yet. Actually, have a whole we're show not done to do yet. Still. We're halfway through the show. We got <laughs> we got to swivel to a night that you dominated last year, uh, along with the guys at Daft Punk and Pharrell. Grammy night is is this Sunday, February eighth. And um, for, before we we talk about this year. Um, Niall, I mean, I can't even imagine what last year was like for you. Do you have any any like favorite memories from from last year? I, I mean, the performance, maybe like a fun anecdote. What what was it like for you? Um, it was completely surreal, and I'm happy that a year has gone by because I'm finally starting to believe that it happened. Uh, when I was standing on stage, um. I remember when they took Millie Vanilli's Grammys away from him, mm. and I kept thinking, well, of course, I know I played this stuff. Of course, I know I co-wrote it. But I saw Jamie Foxx sitting on the aisle, and I said, okay, he's going to come out and pull the Aston Kutcher thing on yeah. me and go, ha, ha, we were just kidding, because I honestly didn't believe it. <laughs> and you, uh, if you get a chance to talk to Pharrell, you will see all through the telecast, I kept saying to him, hey, man, guys, I'm really sorry. You know, we're not going to win. And they said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, we don't really have a chance because I've never won a Grammy. And all of them, there's a funny, I actually have the photo. I should send it to you. There's a funny bit where everybody, all the guys in Daft Punk, like them and their manager, turn around and look at me and go, what do you mean you never won a Grammy? That was shocking. They said, you didn't win a Grammy for, and they just started going, let's dance like a virgin, material girl, China girl. And they just started like running. They said, you didn't win a Grammy for We Are Family. You didn't win a Grammy for Good Times, La Freak. And they were like naming all these songs. I'm sitting there going, no, no, no. Now stop embarrassing me. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. 
I said, so we're not going to win. Yeah, I'm the curse. You're the curse. Yeah, basically. I said, you know, guys, but it's all cool, man. We, you know, we didn't we have fun making the record. It was fine. It's cool. Don't worry about it. And then we get the first Grammy. So I'm like, going, wow, thanks, guys, man. You gave me my my first Grammy, and I'm thinking that's my only Grammy. Right. So I, we went back to the dressing room because they got to get out of the gear, right? Because they're sweating like they're losing five pounds a minute. Um, so they had to get out of their gear. So we're backstage, we're laughing, and they come out and they tell us, okay, your next award is coming up. And they don't know who the winner is. Right. So they're just, they want you to sit in your seat so they can take a picture of you so you can look so all you, weird you when react. you lose. Yeah. <laughs> when you lose, we want to make sure we have a nice crisp picture of you. Right. So, so they take the seat warmers out, and then we go back and we sit down. And I'm like saying to Pharrell, yo, man, you know, this ain't going to happen, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, Oh, don't be so negative, bro. It's cool, man. And then we win again. And I'm stunned. If you go back and look at the footage, you can tell I talk a lot because um, I'm a record producer. We all talk a lot. Um, but I'm on stage. I'm stunned. I I'm just absolutely stunned. So now we get the second one. And at this point, Daft Punk has already won in other categories, right. too. So they got like four at this point. So... Then we're up for the really big one, which is, you know, album of the year. Um, and no album of the year um, since 1977 has been a dance-oriented album and won. Yeah. yeah. Right? So I'm now, you know, I'm I'm totally Mr. You know, Debbie Downer at this point, because I'm like going, dude, we do dance music. So, you know, this ain't like happening. The odds are against us. Yeah, it's, right. It's not going to happen. <laughs> and when they say album of the year, random access memories, I'm like looking at the guys oh my going, God. whoa. And then we all go up on stage and thank God Paul Williams was there because I tried to talk. They wanted me to talk because Pharrell, <laughs> Pharrell was doing all the talking, which was great with me. But um, I was tongue tied. And thank God for Paul Williams, who, you know, gave, I think, a good speech. And I was just sitting there going, uh, did this really happen? Album of the year for a dance record? Oh, my yeah. God. This is yeah. unbelievable. I, I remember I remember immediately after the Grammys writing a thing uh, for Billboard saying that, like, a lot of people were complaining that the, the major awards last year were, like, predictable. They were like, ah, uh, Macklemore and Lord and Daft Punk. And I was like, no, guys, like – this really strange and creative dance record just won album of the year. Like this is not predictable at all. It was nuts. You you uh, you mentioned Pharrell. Uh, you know, kind of hanging out with you guys last year during the entire show and and serving as a spokesperson for Daft Punk and you when you guys were all were so stunned. And I mean, now he's nominated for, by himself for album of the year. Uh, with uh with his second solo album girl and he's got some stiff competition he's uh in the album of the year category sam smith in the lonely hour beck morning phase ed sheeran with multiply and then beyonce of course with her self-titled album um do you guys what who, what do you think i mean it seems to me like the front runner is beyonce right now i think so too she's yeah. never won an album of the year um what, what do you think Niall? wow um you know Tell us how I'm, you voted. No, I'm no. terrible. <laughs> I can't tell you how I voted because that wouldn't be right. But <laughs> but um, I'm so bad with predictions. As we saw from last year when you yeah, thought you no. weren't going to win anything. <laughs> so clearly. Yeah, that's true. That is funny. true. We shouldn't be looking to Niall right now for predictions. Yeah, exactly. I am so the wrong guy. <laughs> and believe it or not, I suck too as a gambler. So that's why I don't do it. 
He's so uh-huh. he's so good at this. It turns out Daft Punk's going to win again this year. <laughs> right, and they're not nominated. Oh my god, that would be amazing. You know what? We're just going to give it to them again. Nile, come on up. <laughs> it's all right. Say, hey, Nile, you didn't get nominated this year. Well, we're going to give it to you. Honorary mention. Um, so I don't know. Well, that, I mean, at the same time, Pharrell could do basically basically a little bit of the back to back. Yeah. You know, Daft Punk, and then if if Pharrell's album wins this year, that would be. Yeah, you know, he, he it, could pull it, off a New a England Patriots thing or something or uh, whatever. It, it would definitely be back-to-back. I mean, Pharrell, Pharrell did win Album of the Year um, yes. last, last year, year absolutely. as did Nile and Paul and, and the rest of the Daft Punk uh, robot players, the random access memory players. Um, I, I think it might be kind of a tough one, Jason. I mean, I'll, I'll say that I think Beyonce is probably the front runner um, uh, because it is Beyonce and also because the album – was so successful and it really shook people and it and it got so much attention you know because of the surprise album that dropped out of the sky mm-hmm. and it made world headlines and right. i think when you can have an album that kind of moves people in that kind of way that can really that can get some people on your side and at the same time sam smith is also out there too he has nominations in all of the top four categories which is highly unusual and he had such a big breakthrough year um so those are my thoughts, Jason. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And the thing is, I mean, I, th- I agree that Beyonce is kind of the front runner. But you look at this category, you, I, I see five crowd pleasers. I, I mean, even oh, look if you at think you. about Ed Sheeran's album. Come on, Beck's record is pretty damned amazing. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. Is I think that this is one of the stiffest categories that we've had uh, in, in terms of the, the five albums that we've had in years. If you just think about... You know, I could I could envision all five of these albums winning actually. I and, could, I could too. Yeah, it's I, I mean it, you think about like Ed Sheeran, uh, he's having another huge hit right now with Thinking Out Loud. He's had multiple top twenty hits from that album. Sam Smith and like also said. also when you think about it with Ed, his whole live thing has been so consistent and mm-hmm. and what he does. Yes, and and I think that the Academy, um, they reward. Uh, they they reward artistry. They reward cleverness. I mean, I'm telling you, Beyonce was so awesome and clever. When that record dropped, mm-hmm. I, yes. I was lying in bed with my girlfriend, and I said to her, I said, you know what? This is a real artist. This is a person who understands how the world works and how her brain works and how her emotions work, and and an artist just does it. And I love the fact, like, I'm not even telling my record company. I'm, and, and, and by the way, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, and by the way. And I was like, that was just so amazing to me. I was just, you know, I was sitting, was sitting behind she and Jay. And first of all, Beyonce, to me, I, I had just been with her um, at the, um, uh, the, you know, at um, the, it, like a week before that in New York at the, um, the Met Gala. Um, and, um, and she's just the nicest person in show business. You know, I did a gig with her, uh, a gazillion years ago for VH1, where I was the music director and we were paying homage to Diana Ross. And this is when I remember she, that. Yeah, I remember right. That when show. she was still in Destiny's Child. And yeah, every time I am with her, she is the most polite together, just classy artists in the world now i know they don't give you awards for that (laughs) but it can't hurt but i'm telling you if i feel like that and i just run into her every now and then but the grammys they run into her all the time Mm -hmm. 
you know, the, the I think that the voting membership um, has to be enchanted by her. Yeah. And 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 respect her artistry, but this year, I mean, look at the records. Pharrell, no joke. Sam Smith is my boy. I mean, he's like, no joke. Ed Sheeran, no joke. I mean, Beck, no joke. These are great records. Yeah, it's unreal. Yeah. It's nuts. I, so, I, I guess right now it's it's kind of a tough call. I guess we're leaning a little bit toward Beyonce, but I, I guess we'll see on Sunday night. So uh, so now let's let's. Uh, Move over to the other the other award the other major award that you guys won last year record of the year. Um, I, I mean again the all five of these songs are smash hits. Fancy by Iggy Azalea with Charlie XCX, Chandelier by Sia, uh, Stay with Me Sam Smith the Dark Child version of Stay with Me by Sam Smith, Shake It Off uh, number one hit for Taylor Swift, and then Megan Trainor's first number one hit on the Hot 100 All About That Bass. I you know it's like. <laughs> <laughs> record of the year all, every year seems harder and harder to predict. Yeah, yeah. that's a really hard one. I, ever ever since um, ever since they kind of uh, reshuffled how they do the the nominations in in, in the, the major categories a while back, it's been I don't know probably like ten years now. The the top categories have really been just blockbusters. Um, yeah. uh, we've talked about this before, and I won't bore people, but you know, Google it on Gram. You know, Google how they do the top nominations. But they 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 kind of curate the the top categories to to make sure that um, it's some quality stuff. Um, and really, none of these, if any of these won, it would be a solid win. Um, not to not to sort of you know demur away from saying who we think might win. Mm-hmm. I think I think Sam Smith is going to win something. I think he'll probably end up winning Best New Artist mm-hmm. out of the top four categories. Yeah. Um, I think Taylor had such an enormous year, um, but the only thing that she was eligible with was Shake It Off. Mm-hmm. So will they wait until next year to honor her for her album that was such a tremendous album? That's you the know, question, will, yeah. You know, will she? I don't know. I mean, I don't really know where this one will go. <laughs> See, it's a it's an interesting thing because I've sat on many of these committees um, for a long time, but sitting on the committee is different than being a voting member, mm-hmm. than you know, just a voting member because everybody is voting. Um, uh, I, this is one that I have a wacky opinion about, um, and it comes out of the fact that Megan Trainer was not nominated for Best New Artist, and she had a single that I think was number one for like eight consecutive weeks or five, yeah. something like that. Very long time. Like, like, uh, did we get something wrong here, guys? I mean... Like, I think it's one of the first times in history that a, a brand new artist was number one that long. Maybe Nora Jones, I can't remember. But but some it, that that in and of itself was interesting. And I don't, like sometimes when the Academy members, you know, because you're voting sort of by yourself. I don't, like, like I, I don't sit around and talk to my girlfriend and go, uh, yo, baby, who do you think I should vote for? Any, I don't call my I don't call my mom. It's not like and, voting by committee. Or the, yeah, or the right. No. household. you sit down and you think of stuff like that, and and you weigh stuff, and you say, wow, man, maybe should have been she at least just been nominated. Yeah. So that's the only one I actually sort of have an inter- interesting opinion on is because, or at least interesting to me, um, uh, is because I couldn't understand. Um, how she she didn't get nominated and Sam did, which is interesting. I mean, 
Like they both should have been nominated for new artists. Yes. best new artists. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, because I mean, what they did listen, was extraordinary. Right. Exactly. I was I was just gonna say I I do see maybe I don't know if I'm I'm confident enough to say that make like an upset pick and and say that all about that base is gonna win. But for I will say yeah I mean posi- positive message yeah new artists that people like a lot and doo-wop sound that maybe older voters and and maybe gravitate toward it it's it's kind of uh it'll be interesting to see what happens i wouldn't i wouldn't be shocked at all if if that won record of the year not at all yeah and and i and i think that you know what i just said may weigh into it a little bit you know because we do get to see the stuff that we're finally voting on and and then i i don't think that i'm some genius and i'm the only person that's going how come she's not nominated you know right for best new artist wow Jason, what else we got? Well, we got Song of the Year. Keith, uh, a lot of some of the same faces, I would say. Uh, again, Chandelier by Sia, All About the Bass, Megan Trainer, Shake It Off, Taylor Swift, Stay With Me, The Dark Child Version by Sam Smith. And now a new name, uh, Hozier, uh, with Take Me to Church, a mm-hmm. top five hit for yeah. him. I, so this is the Songwriting Award, of course. Uh, Keith, what do you think about this one? I think, I think this is where, and I'm going to pronounce his name wrong again, Hozier. Either it's Hosier, Hosier, Hosier yes. or Sia. Um, I think because it's a songwriter's award and the other songs, not to slight their songwriting abilities, but I think because they want to honor the writing of the song, I think they might want to choose this category to honor him. And this is, I think, his only nomination uh, this year. Um, or this could be where Sia gets Sia one of the top come, categories yeah, yeah. because Chandelier was such a breakthrough for her. And it's kind of like a coronation of, you know, so many years of, I mean, her her incredible story. And so I think this could be her big award um, for the night. I think it's going to be one of those two. That's just me, though. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's tricky. All, all of this stuff is tricky. And like I said, I'm the worst. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's hard for me because... Sam and I are like amazingly great friends and I, you know, I've written with him and I know how he writes and it's, it's amazing. I mean, he's just, you know, it's just emotional and he just goes for it and it just comes. It's like, it's like almost like magic in a way. Um, so, um, that, that's a really tricky one. I, you know, Sia, yeah, I mean, you know, once again, like yeah. this is weird for me because songwriting. When you talk about songwriting, I it's one of the the, the parts of our business that I respect the most, and um, yeah. you know, that's that's a tricky one to call. It's that's hard. Really hard to call. They would all be good. It is. T- <laughs> it's tough because they they are so good at at such different things. I mean, how do you? value a, a ballad like stay with me over you know something as as catchy and immediate as all about, shake it off it, it's or just shake it, it off yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. It, that's that's yeah. that's why these award shows are so crazy because you're you're the, the the songs and the and the artists are so diverse and yet you you the voters are asked we'll pick one over the other and, right you know it's like well let's just talk about can we just celebrate everyone tonight right and yes you're in, you're getting an award but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're better than the other four in the category yeah or maybe it does. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's uh, you know it's weird. It's not. I I don't know if it's a question of better because that's what's always weird about awards to me is that I never feel like the record is better than another person's record. It's how 
uh, how people feel. Like, I don't know if they're, you know, when you're when you're part of the academy, and I think most people take it take it seriously. It's like being on a jury. Mm-hmm. You think about the things that we're talk we talk about, you know, artistry and blah blah blah, and you know, and concept and 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 the way that you achieve what you've achieved. Um, so sometimes you give a little bit more thought to it, as opposed you don't just say, well, boy, that, when I hear all about the bait you know it's, it makes me feel so yeah. awesome and i'm walking around the house doing it and my girlfriend's doing it or my kids are doing it whatever um they think about other you know next level stuff so that it's it's really tricky to me as yeah. i said i suck at this so you why are you guys even talking <laughs> no nah, nah, we're not we're not going to vegas together man yeah. we're yeah. not we're like, never going like, to why vegas are you guys together? even have why do you have me here like, like I'm like the lamest in the Be- world. Because you are a three-time <laughs> Grammy Award-winning author, uh, philanthropist, yeah, um, everything guru. You're, you're well, everything but now. I should be here talking <laughs> about that like stuff that. instead of like who do I think is on a win? Because I'm like the worst. Well, luckily we won't pressure you uh, too much more, right, Jason? <laughs> yeah, we just got what we just got one more best. And you don't even artist, have to say um, who you think's gonna win. It'll be all right. Okay, good. Yeah. I, yeah, that's totally fine. Okay. I, get, I mean, he's, he's is, visibly this, this like cringing in front of me. He's trying to totally he's trying good. to leave oh, the sorry, room no. right now. <laughs> no, it's true cuz I <laughs> We'll make this we'll make this one quick and easy. We okay, got good. for best new artists, we got uh, Bastille, Iggy Azalea, Brandy Clark, Haim, and Sam Smith. And and Keith you alluded to it a couple minutes ago. I, I think that this is uh Sam Smith's uh award to lose. Yes. I I think that this is his uh this is his moment I, uh, out of, you know, he's he's up for all four major awards right now. But I think that this one is his biggest lock. I mean, you just you, you think about the future in the music industry that that Sam Smith is going to have and, and how just the songs that he's already written and the songs he can write in the coming years. And I, he just seems like the best new artist to me for sure. Um, I will agree with you. And I will also say that he was... He, he was only one of four. He had one of only four albums that sold a million copies in 2014 last year, um, and he was the uh, he he had the only album, the first full length debut album by by a new artist to sell a million copies last year in the United States. So um, we already know his his success story and how wonderful he is, and I think this could be sort of a nice uh, way to cap off an amazing year for him. And I had the the pleasure of talking to him at the Grammy Awards last. January, when no one really knew who Sam Smith was yet, and he was there very early on the carpet earlier that day, and he was very lovely, and he was talking about the album and how it was about heartbreak and how he's never been in love. And I'm like, dude, how old are you? He's like, well, I'm only 21. I'm like, yeah. okay, fine, that's all right. <laughs> um, and he was he was wonderful, and and um, and then you know a couple hours later, Nile Rogers came down the carpet, and I talked to Nile last year on the carpet, and. And now here we are, full circle. Sam Smith could win new artist, and Nile Rodgers is singing in front of me. What a beautiful thing that is, Jason. Well, I, uh, I I I can't wait. I mean, listen before. So we're gonna get to your charts out of the week, but before we do, I guess Keith, let's reveal to our listeners what we're doing. Oh um, yeah, yeah. I'm actually flying out. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I, I'm flying out to L.A. in a couple of days. Uh, I will be on the red carpet with Keith. Uh, Nile, are you gonna be? Are you gonna be on the red carpet? Or are you Are you gonna be there? Yeah, you know, it's funny. That kind of stuff makes me feel just as weird as awards. But, yeah, I guess I have to. So, yeah, I'll you be there. You don't have to. <laughs> nah. You can bypass it. You can just it. hang out with us. Yeah, oh, cool. You, we can give oh, you a mic, and you can I, do some interviewing. Cool, because I know yeah. 
you'll be you'll be more of catnip to celebrities than we are so we can get you we can use you and you can lure in the people i'm down i'm down perfect i can get a job done and done. we'll give you a baby and well, a puppy yeah, it'll be perfect you can really bring him in that way sorry so Jason. uh yeah so keith and i are going to be on the red carpet and then um this is this is very cool we are doing a live pop shop podcast that is correct a live in real time pop shop podcast the first one ever immediately after the grammys on billboard.com so uh, you know everyone watching at home will be able to uh immediately when the show is done go to billboard.com we'll have a banner up it'll be easy to find click and then you will actually see us we'll be on video together for the first time and doing almost like a post-game show of the grammys talking about um everything going on with it in in terms of the performances in terms of the red carpet in terms of the the winners and and Keith, we're going to go on and, and take Twitter questions. It, it's going to be – it's ambitious. I'll, I'll yes. say that, but I, I can't wait for this, man. Yes, it's, it's less of a podcast and more of an actual live stream event. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, yes. If you like our voices, you may enjoy our faces. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe. I don't know. And, and, but but we'll, we'll tell you all about the red carpet experience and what we uh, you know, saw on the show and who we talked to. And, and what Nile was wearing. And what Nile was wearing. Cool. And, no, that's going to be what, we're, what we lead with. Yes. Like, <laughs> aside from album of the year winner, the performances, like, let's talk about Nile's wardrobe. Yeah. Right. For 10 so minutes. Let's he, do it. He, he's in the billboard <laughs> office in like a really cheap little t-shirt and then now he shows up in like some designer suit chic thing. No no one wants to get dressed up but, but we all have to I think for this for right. this gig anyways. But tough I, job well, but somebody's got to do yes, it. Yes. Yes. Somebody's got to do it. Well, again, we we'll have all that information on billboard.com immediately after the Grammys, but it's going to be a blast. Hey, speaking of things that are a blast, I had the amazing opportunity to speak with the one and only Annie Lennox today. The four-time Grammy Award winner came by the Billboard office here in Los Angeles to talk about her latest album, the Grammy-nominated Nostalgia, plus her upcoming performance on this Sunday's awards with Hosier. Also coming up for Linux, a special PBS concert celebrating her Nostalgia album, which will begin airing in April. But without further ado, please enjoy my interview with the one and only Annie Linux. See the pyramids along the night. Watch the sunrise on a tropic so first off, thank you so much for swinging by the Billboard office to do the Billboard Pop Shop podcast on this very special pre-Grammy Awards edition of our show, Annie Lennox. Welcome. Thank you, Keith. Um, you just came from rehearsals for the Grammy Awards, correct? Yes. How, how'd it go? Wonderful. I, I, wonderful. Mm-hmm. And it's you and um, Hosier. Mm-hmm. Am I pronouncing his name correctly? Yes, you are. But um, he's also Andrew. Andrew. So I, it's, it's difficult to know whether to call Andrew Andrew or Andrew Hosier. So I'm not really sure. I'm, I, but he, I think, yeah, Hosier. Hosier. You, you, yeah, let's call him that. I'll call him that. Yeah. Um, and you're performing, from what I understand, um, I think it's a medley, but I'm not sure if that's been announced yet. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know what I'm allowed to say. Wink, wink. I'll say that you're performing something very special. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how did this idea come about? Was it they called <laughs> you and said, we have this wonderful idea and want to do it? Yeah, ostensibly, because, you know, Ken Ehrlich... The director of the program. Who you almost killed in 1984. Who I almost killed yes. in 1984, which I can go into for you. <laughs> oh, no, no. Wait, but I, it was, I didn't mean to almost kill him, but I mean, fortunately, the man has a strong heart. <laughs> and he survived, he survived to tell the tale Thank goodness. decades later. 
Um, so he called you and said, I have this idea yes. of you performing on the show. What yes. do you think? Yes. Had you heard uh, Take Me to Church before? No. 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 Have you seen the video yet? I want to know. I have, yeah. Isn't the video just, it's, I saw it, for, that's, that's how I discovered him. I saw the video months and months and months ago. And I saw it and I'm like, oh my goodness, what is this? Who is this person? I need to know more. And then months later, it became a hit in America, which was kind of amazing. And it's amazing that he's now nominated for Song of the Year. And That's wonderful. It's wonderful. But let's talk about you, because that's why you're here. You're nominated for a Grammy on Sunday night uh-huh. for Best uh, Traditional Pop Vocal Album for Nostalgia. Right. Um, that must be kind of gratifying to have an award, a, n- a nomination for this yeah, album. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad. I'll have it. You'll have it. <laughs> I'll have the nomination. No, it's very nice. I mean, you know, I always say this to people when they talk about awards, that when you're making creating something you're not really focused on awards you're focused on you know making the best creative work you you possibly can and so if you get these kind of um opportunities they're very nice they're kind of like a little badge of honor if you like yeah and um and it also is like uh a kind of affirmation that pe- enough people seem to think that it's worthy of something, which is always lovely. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you can never sort of um, disregard that. But at the same time, it's not everything. So, I mean, you know, if, it's funny because I think there might be some people that are great artists and they maybe have never been nominated for, for things right. like that, you know. Yeah. But that doesn't d- diminish them in any way. You know, this whole project has been what I call chicken and egg. You're never quite sure what's going to come first and then what's going to follow from it. And it started with this notion of exploring the genre of blues, jazz blues. And, um, And I thought that was really intriguing for me. Like, how do you do that? You know, because it's not something I really have explored before in, in, in a record. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I only could do that very privately, sitting at a keyboard and transcribing the songs that I was exploring on the keyboard and then just learning them and appropriate the, appropriating them in my own way. And then sort of think, OK, maybe maybe I can do this. You know, it was just like, oh, I don't know if I can do this, but maybe this is interesting, mm-hmm. you know. And so step by step, I start. I had by the time I transcribed about 12 of the songs, I, I approached Mike Stevens, who I've worked with before as my co-producer. And I said, let's do it. Let's would you be interested? Let's give it a shot. Mm. So we went into his studio, which is a very small room at the bottom of his garden in, in, uh, in London. <laughs> And that's where I've worked with him before. I, I like it. I like this very uh, intimate kind of almost like home cooking vibe that you can get that way. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not like a professional. It is a professional studio, but it it doesn't have the imposition. It's like less pressure on you. You can just sort of yeah, you can improvise. And you very, can, very relaxed. Yeah. And uh, we just spend days um, recording sounds and setting out these songs. And after I had a few of them down, I could see the direction that they could take. And then... About a year ago, I was here. I'd been invited to perform for the Beatles tribute. That's right, almost a year ago, right now. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah. In, in February, I think it was February the third. I, I can't remember exactly, but February. And um, I knew Don was was going to be there, and I knew that Don is now the head of Blue Note Records, and um, it appealed to me very much to have this album represented by Blue Note because they're just such a stalwart jazz label and I felt that already gives you the indication of what this album is about 
And so I approached Don and I asked if he would come and have a listen to some of the songs. And they were just on my computer, on my laptop. And so sweetly he came to the trailer and sat with them on his on his um, chest <laughs> because I didn't have headphones and he was listening to them <laughs> just before he went to play with Paul McCartney. It wow. was very sweet. Wow. Uh-huh. And he loved it. And I just said, well, I'd really love to be with Blue Note. And then after later on down the line, this is the chicken and egg thing, because I just put that out to him. Right. I didn't know if he would like it or if he would think it was a good idea. But later on, um, the head of Capitol Records uh, heard the album and he just gave it the green light. He just said, yeah, we're going to back this. So then I had the budget to have the tools right. to, you know, make a live performance video and and do things on camera right. that, you know, if you don't have that budget, you're not going to be able to do it, really. Right. And so that was very, very encouraging. And step by step, finally, the PBS thing came through and it's just been great. And then it was nominated for a Grammy, which is lovely. And I'll be performing yes. one of the tracks um, on Sunday night. So... It's 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 really had a beautiful kind of journey all uh, to itself. It's like a full circle. I mean, because, you know, it was a year ago that you played Don Was, mm-hmm. the, the, the tracks mm-hmm. at the Beatles tribute, which was right after the Grammy Awards a year ago. And now a year later, you're nominated for a Grammy for the album or the, the beginnings of the album that you played for him at the Grammy Awards a right. year ago, um, which is kind of crazy if you think about it that way are you is there anything that you're looking forward to at this year's show since since we're talking about the grammys aside from obviously your performance and i mean there's so many performers is it is it can you think of anything that you're interested in seeing i mean well sam smith is performing yeah sam smith is so extraordinary this voice of his i mean it always impacts upon me how you know everybody's always looking for that uh golden thing the magical thing and no one really quite knows what it is but they can't put the finger on it but when they hear it it's like the first time people heard Adele yeah. they knew this is really special and the same thing with Amy Winehouse and that these singers have tremendous character in their voice that is just instantly recognisable and has a quality and a calibre that you, it's unforgettable, and Sam Smith has that kind of... And the same thing with Hosier. He has a, a, the most beautiful voice, and he doesn't make a big deal of his voice. It's very understated, but it is this warm quality, so beautiful. I think your, your voice and his voice, it'll be very cool to, to hear them together. Yeah. If, if mm. I'm assuming Thank that you. you must be singing together at mm-hmm. some point. Yes, we will be. Um, I think it'll sound... It's really, a good blend. Yeah. I think it really is a good blend. And I'm very... You know, I was very concerned that I really wanted to... If I'm going to sing with him... I want to honour his song. It's his special song. Mm-hmm. And I in no way wanted to kind of take it hostage. And you, you understand what yes. I mean. I just wanted to compliment it. And I think by through our rehearsals today, I realised it's, it's, uh, it's working so, so sweetly. And it's just so nice. It's very nice for me to be able to perform with an artist, a young artist like that, of such a high calibre. And, uh, and just to feel that, yeah, actually, this is really strong. This yeah. is powerful. The, the Grammy performances are always when when they combine two artists together, um, so they're often really magical because it's something that you'll never see anywhere right, else. You'll never see it. Yeah. You know, last year they had um, Imagine Dragons and Kendrick Lamar do a, a, a sort of a mashup of two of their songs, and it was mind blowing. Um, and they're that's what they do every year. They bring together artists that you would never see together. Um, so I know I'm looking forward to it, and I'll be on the red carpet on Sunday and. We might see you. Are you going to walk the red carpet? Are you doing that whole shebang? Well, I, as I, I, look I, I, I like I like to keep people happy. So to a certain degree, 
I'll gr- grit my teeth and bear it. It's, it's a not. Lot. It's it's a quite. A, I must say, this, this is for me personally. There's an ordeal involved in that. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. It's, That's why I'm so happy that you mm-hmm. came by, and I really appreciate Thank it you. today. That's sweet. This is not an ordeal. But to be faced with a bank of flashing cameras of people Ugh. screaming at you to turn left or right, or I mean, it's quite, I don't know, it feels a bit like the, the Roman Empire or something. I really feel odd about it. And sometimes I comply with these things, and sometimes I just say, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Just, I don't like it. Well, luckily, there's there's just the photos, and then there's the bypass carpet where you can just sneak over to the left and just zip past everyone. If well, if you're not feeling it that day, you can just. Well, there's always a way. There's always an exit, you know. There's always an exit. I, I mean, I have a good <laughs> Grammy story that I can't remember which year, but I was performing at the Grammys, and um, you know, all the artists come down, and it's you can't. It's like circling the wagons. There's all these trailers, you know, where yeah. everybody has their dressing room, and you spend the good part of the day in that that uh, trailer and my trailer was right at the, f- the head of the red carpet and it was quite high so out from my window I was looking down on people that were arriving and watching them step onto the carpet and make their poses and it was just wow. hilarious <laughs> it was so surreal because nobody could see me looking out the window and I was just entranced by like you know how people prepare to sort of pose up right <laughs> I saw all of that oh wow <laughs> It's, it's sort of like a weird meta moment, like behind the scenes, behind the scenes, behind the scenes. Yes, something. Again. Yes. It, I wasn't exactly a fly, but I was as near as damn it. Yeah. For those folks that are listening, uh, make sure to watch Annie Lennox this Sunday on the Grammy Awards and to watch out for her great performances special, uh, Nostalgia Live in Concert, this April on PBS. Thank you, Annie. Thank you so much. there you have it. There is my interview with the fabulous Annie Lennox. Uh, She took time out of her crazy schedule to come by the Billboard office for a chat today. Uh, Again, her album Nostalgia is nominated for Best Traditional Pop Vocal Album at this Sunday's Grammy Awards, where she'll be performing with Hosier. Uh, Also, do make sure to watch out for her upcoming PBS concert special that begins airing this April. But now, it's time. What time is it, Keith? Yes, indeed, I am talking to myself. It's time for my own Charts Data of the Week. Okay, so normally my chart stats of the week are actually about something that happened this week in history. I'm going to switch that up a little bit this week. We're going to talk about something that happened as a result of the Grammy Awards. Back in 1990, Bonnie Raitt one album of the year with her album Nick of Time. Uh, it was kind of a surprise win because it beat out the Traveling Wilburys and, and Don Henley and, and a number of other big albums that I think a lot of people thought uh, were going to win album of the year. And Billboard, in fact, thought it was such a surprise, they called it, quote, one of the biggest upsets in Grammy history. Uh, the, the win for album of the year effectively started the second act of Bonnie's career. Um, the, the album shot to number one on the Billboard 200 shortly thereafter. That was the first album of the year winner to reach number one after the Grammy Awards. Uh, only four albums have done that, and she was the first. And it, it really became this incredible comeback for her after being dropped from her record label earlier that decade and kind of, you know, kind of, you know, uh, falling on some some not quite hard times, but kind of, you know, sort of in a low spot in her career. And she's acknowledged this herself. And she has talked about how this album and the Grammy Awards ceremony that year kind of changed the course of her career. Um, 
when Nick of Time was reissued uh, last year, last summer for its 25th anniversary, uh, she said, quote, nearly every gift in my life now is in so many ways because of what happened with that album and the Grammys. Um, so there you go. It's a different kind of chart stat of the week this week. It's about the Grammy Awards back in 1990 when Bonnie Raitt won for Album of the Year with Nick of Time and quickly shot to number one for the very first time on the Billboard 200 chart. Well, there you go. Amazing, man. Thank you, as always, Keith, for your chart stat of the week. I'm impressed, bro. Oh, wow. That was impressive. I'm impressed, too. That was that good, was cool. man. Hey, K- Thanks. Keith knows his stuff. Luckily, well, I work I, in charts, so it's good that I, I'm, 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 I'm thrilled that I'm in the right gig. I could tell you. Well, I could tell you about your number ones. Which, oh, but, cool. Which? Well, that's no, that's, no, that's no, another no, podcast. No, 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 no. That'll be day. after the show. Yeah. yeah unfortunately, we got to go. Uh, Niall, man, this has been such a blast uh, hearing all these tales and, and chatting Grammys with you. Thank you again so Thank much you. for stopping by. You guys are really cool. You. you guys are really cool. Thanks a lot, man. And we'll see you Sunday night, as well as uh, all all those listeners tune in on Billboard.com immediately after the Grammys. For the live Pop Shop podcast immediately after the Grammys, it is going to be a blast. Live from L.A., Keith, do you have any parting words? Um, everyone should go and check out every Nile Rogers song that he has produced or worked on. <laughs> um, some of my favorites, normally I don't have a last word of the week. Normally I just say, no, I don't have any. But this is, you, you know this, but I'm just saying this man has touched your life, whether you know that or not. Um, the music that he has created over the past number of decades has affected kind of everyone in the pop landscape Uh, from Madonna to Duran Duran to Sheik to Diana Ross the list goes on and we got we it's, we got to do incredible. it. We got to. We got to go out on. We got to go out on the freak this this week. Yeah, we are we'll going. We're going to play some the freak over <laughs> over the outro. Niall, thanks again, man, and uh, and we'll see you at the Grammys. Take care. All right, guys. Cool. See you. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.